Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. This week, first up, we've got Justin Overton with Coosa River Keepers. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, good. Yeah, it's been been a while. We're trying to uh, make the rounds periodically, talk with all of our water keepers. We like to get the fishing report, but we also like to, to just know how the water as a whole is doing, right? The fishing dries up. I think everybody realizes that you can't have good fish unless you get good, clean water, so... uh we had a good conversation last week uh, with Will Strickland. Me and uh, me and him actually went duck hunting, so it, it worked out well. He was scheduled to be on the podcast, and then that week we also got to do a little duck hunting, so we got to got to chew the fat a little bit. Um, he was yeah, telling that's us about, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Good time get to go out there and actually use the resource a little bit. I know uh, that's that's something that that he said that he he struggles with sometimes having the time. You spend so much time fighting for it and and working with it that sometimes your week slips away and you haven't been out on it all week. So is that that's something you ever run into? You you office no. bound or doing field work <laughs> I I am not. I don't have I don't have that problem. <laughs> I got a whole nother set of problems, which is needing to be in front of the computer, but there's so much field work to be done and you know, so much of my job is as right now is really going out and engaging with communities and elected officials. So we're fighting a quarry right now in um, Heflin, you know, over in the right on the border of Calhoun and Claiborne County. So I've actually been spending a lot of time in the Talladega National Forest, which is such a special place. Oh, yeah. Such a special place. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was going to say, as soon as you said Heflin, I was just recently up just outside of Heflin doing some fly fishing uh, late summer last year. And uh, a real pretty place. I found a real pretty little creek and got into some... Uh, I forget the specific species of, of shiner, but I mean, they were in there and they were huge. Like they were almost a foot long, these shiners. Wow. Were, uh, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome catching them on a nymph rig and just crystal, crystal clear water. So what's been going on? I guess we talked with him a little bit about Rabbit Creek. We mentioned the Shore Act. I know that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Talked about some of the work they've been doing in the community. What was happening up in your neck of the woods up on the Coosa? Yeah, well, in addition to fighting this this proposed limestone quarry, that it will negatively impact Chocolaca Creek. And Chocolaca Creek is important because it is a major tributary to Logan Martin Lake. And it's also the receiving waterway for the very first place that PCBs, or polychlorinated biphenyl, a known carcinogen, was discharged and into a waterway. But really, it's super important to me because that's the very first place that that known carcinogen was commercially manufactured. And when we talked last time, I told you a little bit about my family um, being from Aniston and how PCBs have affected me and and my life. And so that's why things like the Shore Act are important. But that's also why like having advocates for our waterways is so incredibly important. Because I want people out there enjoying our natural resources, but I want them to be able to enjoy them safely. For sure. So that was something that William talked about 
last week was we mentioned PCBs and he didn't dive into them too deep. He mainly talked about mercury and arsenic. What can you tell me about PCBs? So PCBs at the particular site in Anison were manufactured from the early 30s to the early 70s. So do you know the significance of 1972? Does that mean anything to you? I'm pretty sure they made a pretty good Led Zeppelin album come out that year. They did. Hey, that's a great year for music. (laughs) I agree with you. The other thing, other than it being a great Led Zeppelin album and a great year for music, is that was when the Clean Water Act first, you know, came on the scene. And so all of this PCB-laden water, when it was manufactured in Anison from the early 30s to the early 70s, was discharged into Snow Creek, which is a little creek that uh, makes its way through um, Anison into Chocolocker Creek. So for that entirety of time um, and, and through now, we've got PCBs not just in the, in the fish tissue, but in a lot of places, it's still in the sediment of those receiving waterways. So something that we're working on um, right now is preparing for the remediation plan for for OU4, which is what the EPAE um, alternative Superfund site essentially is. So there's a lot going on essentially in Calhoun and Claiborne County, but PCBs are really important because they're odorless. There's no way you can like look at a body of water and know that there's PCBs in it, um, but they are a known carcinogen. So if you're a person that's looking to the river for food, You know, it's really, really important that you be able to understand this particular issue because it bioaccumulates up the food chain. This particular contaminant does, meaning that as it makes its way up the food chain, you as you ingest it and specifically if the fish is really old, you are unknowingly consuming more of that contaminant. But, you know, the really interesting thing, Nick, is like, how do you eat your catfish or your crappie? Or how do you eat any fish for the river? On air, I hate to say it, but deep fried. No, don't hate to say it. I mean, that's <laughs> according to our Creole survey of anglers, that's how the majority of folks that are keeping fish, they, they cook it as they fry it. So when you have a fat soluble contaminant like PCBs and you're frying it in oil, uh. you are unknowingly exposing yourself to even more of that contaminant. Because if you're like me, I grew up that we reuse our frying oil. You know, right. like the the best way that I, I can explain it is that it, goes, it only gets more tasty, right? With each fry. Sure. And so when you are reusing that frying oil and frying fish that have this known carcinogen in it, again, you know, you are unknowingly exposing yourself to more of this contaminant. So that's, again, another reason why the SHORE Act, the Safe and Healthy Outdoor Recreation Act, is so dang important. It's because it's not just about knowing the about the advisories. It's also about understanding them and understanding how you can reduce your exposure. So like what William was talking about with mercury, there's no way that you can fillet the fish or prepare it any certain way to reduce your mercury exposure. But... You can with PCBs. You can cut the fat away from the fish. You can try to find fish that are smaller bodied versus like a big old channel cat or flathead or something like that. So the PCBs are really, really important to me because it is one of those things for the CUSA system that's super notorious. A lot of folks in in my area are super familiar with the history of Chalkwalker Creek and the fish consumption advisories for PCBs that are on Logan Martin and Lay Lake. Yeah, that's definitely, that was a new bit of information. I know I had read in the past that it was advised, um, you know, to trim any bloodlines and to, and to just mm-hmm. get rid of any fat on fish fillets, but I never would have thought 
about that jug of peanut oil that, you know, I've been limping along and topping off for years. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, I guess that would really be bad if you were, uh, running front lines up in Chocolaca Creek or something like that. And then you're just steady keeping that oil and frying more and more fish in it. I wouldn't have thought about that. So that's, that's good to know what you, you talk about Chocolaca Creek. So what what's the consumption advisory there? You said that'd been in effect since 1970s. Yeah, so there has been a do not eat anything on Chocolaca Creek for decades. And, you know, as they are planning this remediation, the PCB contamination is likely going to get worse before it gets better. You know, we're looking at, you know, partners across the country that also have done PCB remediation within their watersheds, like, you know, uh, Spokane um, and up in Washington and the Potomac, Potomac River and Anacostia Rivers in the D.C. area. And so it's super important that this public notification take place on those areas because we know that folks are still eating fish from Chocolaca Creek, despite having decades of advisories, because, again, there is a huge difference between awareness and understanding. Like folks will, you know, we do these angler surveys. And so we've got lots of data to back up. Um, what we're advocating for in the legislature, but also what we're advocating for at the local level. And so we know that folks are like confused because they're like, well, I've been eating this fish my whole life. I haven't sprouted a third arm yet. You know, like they, again, that's that public education aspect because they aren't going to sprout a third arm, but they're unknowingly exposing themselves to um, contamination that can have long-term health effects with increased exposure. That's that's wild to me that there would be a fish consumption advisory there for so long and you'd still have people eating it. But I guess here on the Mobile River, I did a survey kind of informally on my own on a local outdoor group asking if people ate bass off the Mobile River and there's a do not eat consumption advisory for them. And you, you had a lot of people who were like, oh yeah, yeah, I eat bass. I fly and eat bass mm-hmm. all the time. How... I, I guess before we we kind of uh, let let that dog lie, let that horse rest a little bit. Like, how do you, how does that happen? Like, how do you have a fish consumption advisory for that long? Is it just people don't know or people don't care or like what? How do you get there? How do you get to that point where there's a fish consumption advisory? You've got a known carcinogen in elevated levels, and people still keep fish. Well, I do think that there are a lot of barriers to people having access to this information, whether they be literacy, like literal literacy barriers. It's also science literacy. You know, you got a lot of folks that are out there that have tons of institutional and historical knowledge of these creeks that they're fishing. Um, But there's no way for a person to be able to look at a fish and say, you know, I think that that's got some PCBs in it, or I think that's got some PFAS in it. And so having to rely on government agencies to do this fish tissue testing, you know, they only test various sections of our waterways every five years on a rotation. So like last year was the first time, and I believe six years because of the COVID year and a half or so, that they had actually done any updated fish tissue testing on the CUSA system. So I mean, I think it's a combination of lack of public notification, the barriers technologically to get this information, because our waterways on the CUSA, you know, we spend as an organization a lot of time posting signs and and pushing this information out because we feel like it's our duty to not just the community, but, but to the people that are the most vulnerable to make sure they understand this information. And so we post those signs. So that's my long-winded way of basically saying that 
I think a lot of it is a misconception that, um, you know, the solution to pollution is dilution. They're like, well, it happened so long ago. There's no way it's still there. But they're just unaware. And and that's where we try to step in and, and empower them with this data so that they can make informed decisions. Well, it's definitely good to hear about that. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about the Shore Act last week. I think that's definitely something like you said, it's just about getting the information out there, you know, not beating over the head, telling people what they can and can't do. But that is uh, definitely information. Once I started to become aware of the fish consumption advisories, I started paying attention to it and then changed how I ate fish. So, and I'll definitely keep that in mind going forward. If I'm in any areas where PCBs would be a concern, I, I like your tip about, uh, or, or your observation about a fat soluble Mm-hmm. contaminant and cooking it in peanut oil. <laughs> Cancer aside, what what else have y'all been up to up there? Yeah, well, so we are really excited because last year we piloted free fishing clinics for kids. And so this year we're hosting eight clinics for kids throughout our watershed and really trying to focus on the areas that there are PCB fish consumption advisories, um, as well as areas that there might be barriers for folks getting their families to the water to fish. So we focus in these clinics on, you know, of course, the equipment that you need to go fishing, water safety. We teach the kids how to tie a fisherman's knot. We talk about what fish they can find uh, in the river. One of my favorite things that we do is we have these huge, we have this huge catfish stuffed animal, and we've got these little bluegill stuffed animals and these largemouth bass. And so we talk about the diet and the some of the anatomy of each of these fish, and the kids get to like like role play it. It is so dang cute. And then we, you know, we teach them casting. We put casting plugs um, on some rods and get them to cast into these big old hula hoops. And then we send them out um, and, and they get to learn how to, you know, fish. And then they go home with tackle box and all kinds of things that hopefully will inspire them to get out with their families. And it's just been a really meaningful to me. I know so many kids right now are not spending nearly enough time outside, in my opinion. And so it's great for us to offer these services and go to sections of the river that, you know, might be low income area, um, or it might not. But regardless, we want to make fishing accessible to everybody. And just watching kids, just the joy on their face as they um, cast is just, it's enough to make your heart just burst. For sure. That's something that has started to mean a lot more to me since I got my little girl. And then uh, for the past year or so, uh, I've I've kind of made friends with Dip McMillan. And here locally, he does something similar to that, getting kids out in the outdoors, hunting, fishing. I, I agree with you 100%. Like, I think the solution to a lot of problems is to spend a little bit more time fishing. <laughs> I think for most of the, the mm-hmm. run-of-the-mill problems that, that ordinary people face, I'm not saying that's the cure that ends, uh, you know, world hunger or anything like that but i but i think for most people if you had a stressful day uh spending more time fishing is good and teaching kids young uh to to do that so that they can continue to do it for their whole adult lives i think that everybody benefits um so that's good that's good good to hear it sounds like a lot of fun we may have to make it up there at some point once little bit gets a little bit older i would love that it is a lot of fun and it's also been um really great because we're very fortunate that we've got a lot of um, folks that are really excited and supportive and helping us expand not only the number of kids that, you know, our goal was like, we just wanted to educate and teach about a hundred kids. And we ended up having over 180 last year. And some of my favorite moments where we partnered with the boys and girls club of health city and just um, being able to help kids 
get more comfortable, even just like by the water, you know, I take for granted. And and I don't know if you're this way, but I take for granted that I grew up going to the river. I grew up, you know, cleating off a boat and like, that's normal to me. But to be able to help these kids feel more comfortable with their own waterways that they probably drive in a car with their families over and don't think a thing about that that's for them too. The, our waterways belong to all of us, you know? Absolutely. Well, if, if folks want to learn more about, about some of the, uh, some of the fishing clinics that y'all are doing, or if they want to learn more about the Shore Act, where's a good place that they can go? So if you're interested in learning more about the Shore Act, you can visit alshoreact.com, Alabama Shore Act. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about our free fishing clinics and keeping up with what Coosa River Keepers got going on, you can swim on over to coosariver.org or follow us on Facebook, there Instagram, or Twitter, or there X. I never know which one to say. I know, I know. That was that was one of the most irritating things to happen is is changing that name. But like if you woke up one day and Walmart was called something else. So <laughs> Well, Justin, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh folks, y'all go check it out. Make sure that you're educated regarding the Shore Act and the Fish Consumption Advisories. And if you're up there local to the Coosa area and you got kids, uh the clinic sound like a good time. Justin, look forward to talking to you again in the future. Look forward to it too. Thanks so much. Alrighty, guys, that was Justin Overton again with the Coosa River Keepers. Y'all definitely be sure to check them out and give them some support. Uh, next up, we have a segment that I actually recorded uh, with some of my coworkers here with Great Days Outdoors. We're going to hear from Butch Theory and Joe Baia. Uh, they host the Northwest Florida Fishing Report and the Alabama Saltwater Fishing Report. This is a segment that we did with Melissa Miller talking about the Mobile Boat Show. Definitely an event you'll want to check out if you're local to the area. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's take a second and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by the Alabama Fishing Show. The all-new Alabama Fishing Show, sponsored by Monster Marine, is coming to Gadsden, Alabama at the venue at Coosa Landing on George Wallace Drive, March 8th through the 10th. The only true fishing show in Alabama, featuring all things fresh and saltwater fishing. If you fish, don't miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, and apparel. Custom tackle, lures, rods and reels, electronics, and guides. March 8th through the 10th. $12 for adults, $8 for kids. Kids 5 and under are free. Tickets are available online or at the door. We've got free parking. Learn more at alabamafishingshow.com. Hope to see you there. Don't miss the Kids Fishing Tournament on Saturday, ages 4 through 12. Don't miss the event, March 8th through the 10th. Well, when January and February roll around, I know, uh, I know I'm know i not going to get to go fishing quite as much, but one of the things I always look forward to this time of year is going to boat shows and looking at all the new gear. If you're shopping in the market, it's a great way to go and check out boats side by side, get a look at them and really get a feel for them right next to each other, which is something you don't always get at the dealer, you know? And a lot of them you can get on and kind of see what's about and kind of open up the hatches and sit in the chair and see how she feels on you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's really the same whether you're saltwater or a freshwater angler. So this week I've got Butch Theory and Nick Williams from the Alabama Freshwater Fish Report joining us. And we're going to be talking with Melissa Miller to find out what's going on with the Mobile Boat Show coming up. Melissa, you're the, uh, what, what do you like to call yourself now? The chief cook, the bottle washer? I mean, what, what are you doing over there at Gulf Coast Shows? Every one of those. Every one of those I do. So just, I can do pretty much all of them after I noticed on my LinkedIn the other day that I was just had a 30 year anniversary. So I think by now I can pretty much, pretty much whatever you need me to do. Awesome. That's right. Congratulations. That's a long time. 
I think I, I think I may have been there at the uh, at the first one. I, I can remember going with Dad and looking at boats and you know all that. So that's really cool. Tell us a little bit about the history of the show. So it's interesting. The Mobile Boat Show is one of the oldest shows in the country. So it was started here in Mobile in 1952 by a local businessman, John Damrich, and he partnered with Jack Drees, who, of course, was a famous sportscaster and has a very illustrious career. But he ended up in Mobile for about 10 years, and he and John Damrich started the Mobile Boat Show. And I think, if I remember correctly, they held the first one at Fort Whiting because it was before the Civic Center was built. And then, of course, when the Civic Center was built, it was it was there for years. And then um, my father-in-law, actually, so Jack left the market. And after Mr. Damrich passed away, my father-in-law, Dan Miller, bought the business from um, John's widow, Norma Jean, who had done the show alongside John for years. And we've had the show since 1992. And, of course, now it's at the convention center. After the new convention center was built, we were the first public show in that building and we're still the largest and biggest uh, you know annual public show there but so we've been at the convention center since it was there so the show is 72 years old and I'm not quite that old but I've definitely I've, I've been there about 30 years and it's a great show that's awesome that's very cool I did not know that it was one of the oldest in the United States that's very cool yeah I think the New York is is the oldest is like 1905 and there are a couple more I think Miami was 41 and then Chicago's 45 I think but it is one of the oldest ones in the country Melissa, one of the things that I've enjoyed about going to the boat show is being able to talk in years past, being able to talk to guys like Bobby Abrascato and the kind of folks we have on this podcast every week. And you see them there and you can ask them questions. Maybe it's something that is specific to you. Are there going to be any seminars or any educational resources for, for anglers there at the show? There is. So we have a great program that the FM Talk 106 does the Guides Corner. And in addition to like a more formal seminar setting, which, you know, you can There'll be a they haven't received their schedule yet, but I'll have it all on our um, on our website soon of the different topics they're going to be discussing and the different guides that are going to be talking about those those topics. But in addition to that, a lot of people don't have me either. It's not a great time for you to sit down and and and, and attend the seminar, or you don't you don't want you don't have 15, 20 minutes to sit down to hear the whole thing. If you have some specific questions, or you just just really want to talk to one of the guides. There's an opportunity outside of the formal sessions to sit down with the local guides and and ask anything you want. So they'll we'll have three or four different people, you know, in different topics. And if you want to ask somebody something specific, it's just a little more informal and it makes it easier. It's more approachable when you're in a situation like that. So they're available all weekend. They'll have different people sitting and talk to talk to you all weekend. So that's kind of a unique way to be able to get information without having to go through the formal seminar series or be kind of apprehensive about asking a dumb question. You know, I don't, right. I don't have a problem with that. I ask dumb questions on here all the time, right. but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's a little bit intimidating if there's a whole bunch of people around and you maybe don't want to let on that you're a newbie or you feel like you should know the answer to a question, but you don't, you know, and it's nice if you can just kind of one-on-one maybe whisper in their ear, hey, I'd never have caught a fish on the slick lure. I really, what are you doing different? You know? You're right. You're right. You'd be surprised. I mean, I, a lot of people would be too embarrassed to do it and we see it. So I, I think it's a great way to get those people involved too, and just be able to ask something that maybe they wouldn't ask in a group setting. Melissa, you mentioned earlier off air that there was going to be a tournament way. And I think at the event, there is, well, there is, um, we have the pride of the South tournament series, um, that does their, um, one of their tournaments in conjunction with the boat show. And it will be, they, I believe they fish on Friday at the live oak landing. And then the, the, the top 60 of those will fish the next day on Saturday, the 24th at the Chocolata landing. And then that 
after that day of fishing, they weigh in live at the convention center. So they do the live weigh in with the fish and show the fish and um, award, do all the awards there at the show. So that's really fun to see and to see all the fish come in and all the fishermen and hear hear about all the things they were doing out of the water. So that, that's a great fun Saturday event for everybody. Yeah, it's always good to see live oaks about five minutes around the corner from my house. So uh, I, I catch the weigh-ins a good bit up there. It's always uh, it's fun, but it's a little bit uh a little bit embarrassing, a little bit discouraging because I tell people, well, we don't have that many fish here, the saltwater intrusion, we got small bass. And then you go to the weigh-ins and it's like, well, apparently there are some people who know how to find them. So. <laughs> I just don't happen to be one of them. They must have been the people that asked the secret questions. All right. That's right. One of the things I like about going to boat shows, like we mentioned, is that you can compare those boats side by side. But a lot of times those dealers are putting on some special deals. They, they've got some stuff going on. Um have you heard about any special deals or, or can attendees kind of look forward to maybe finding some things like that? Of course. So I, one, one of the great things about being at the show is, you know, all these dealers are in the same room and they're there for the weekend and they've got all their products. And it just it really it really creates a real competitive environment amongst, amongst the dealers. You know, if you're there looking at something that you've researched and you've got a certain price point and you get to the show and you see other things that are around that price point. And so I, that certainly makes it very competitive and, and you're more likely to get a better deal. The manufacturers are there too, along with all of these brands. And so, you know, they are, they're, they're very informative and they can, at, at this time of year when people aren't really busy in their own bricks and mortar, I think that, um you know, there, there are lots of um, incentives and manufacturers rebates on boats and motors and trailers that you wouldn't get, you know, probably after March 15th or other times of the year. So you can really get a better price at, at this time of year and certainly at the shows and What's so great about this show is it's early enough that if you're looking for something or you wanted something that, you know, maybe you want to tweak a little bit or that you want to talk to the manufacturer about that you could um, that you want to order, you know, certainly it'd be a good time to get, get that in before. So you'd have it ready for the summer. Melissa, you know, coming to the boat show, of course, is a focus for people that are in the market for a boat. But if you've already got a boat, uh, you may be in a situation like I am, which is I need a new dock. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of looking at decking materials. I'm looking at boat lifts. I'm looking for builders. I'm looking at pilings, what type of pilings I want to go with. I mean, there's a lot to think about. And then of course, gosh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about something new that I want to do to the boat, you know, between electronics and trolling motors and decking and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you guys have a ton of other vendors on the upper deck above the boat show that really kind of feature or can cover anything a, a boat owner might need, right? Absolutely. So, you know, what, one of the things that's interesting, so if you were to, so say you come down to the show and you're a new boat buyer and you buy your boat at the show, I mean, you can do, you can get everything you need when you're right there. So you bought your boat, but you need, you know, you need some help with your financing or you don't have marine insurance or you need to build a boat lift or you'd like to go ahead and outfit your boat with your electronics and your marine audio. All of those people are there, whether you've got a new boat or like you're saying, if you just want to make some upgrades, we have... Everybody there, all everybody there, and lots of experts to talk to about about what's the best thing for what you need in, in electronics, and we also have detailer boat detailing. Um, gosh, apparel, anything you need, outfits and and gear to get out on the water and tackle. So, you know, whether you're a first time boat buyer or you're a seasoned buyer or you're or you're just looking at what what new products are out there, we have lots of other people that have everything to do and all kind of ancillary products that would go with your boat and anybody who's getting out on the water. Nick, you need to check out some of those outfits, man. I've been seeing some of your pictures lately. I'm thinking you might need an upgrade here or there. Dang, that's harsh. Listen here, I ain't got to sit here and be treated that way, Joe. That's right. 
we're going to pick out a new outfit at the show. There are plenty of people to choose from. I like it. What kind of vendors are going to be there for the people that have never been before? Yes. Yeah, so if you haven't been to the boat show, it's just such a fun, you know, the environment, just being at the show is fun. You're in there with all the people that love boats and want to get out on the water or, or, or trying to learn about getting out on the water. We have um, a great selection. So we have, we have about 17 dealers this year um, at the show, bringing all of the new, all the new models, all the 2024, all the upgrades and all the new boats. And so it's a great place to see all that. Um, they're from, we have dealers from Alabama, of course, Florida, Louisiana, and Mississippi. We'll have about, we'll have over 50 brand, brands represented at the show because each dealer, you know, has a certain represents different brands. So over the, you know, if you're looking for something of any budget and any size, we'll, you know, it's a great spot to come down and compare it all if you're looking. What do y'all have in, in addition to the boats? I know since I've had my kid, I've turned into that guy who's wandering around with his cargo shorts and his new balances <laughs> and his kid on his chest strap and everything right like i can't go fish no more i gotta i gotta stay home on the weekend and watch the baby or else i get in trouble so uh what what else have y'all got i know I've, I've heard for years i've been hearing about old twiggy uh has he has he been with has he been with y'all for 70 years no well I, it feels like it no so twiggy is hard to get she, she's a hot commodity so she stays busy but we do have twiggy back this year i think the last time we had her was probably almost 10 years ago but she stays busy skiing around the country and it's it's such a great program because it's such a well it, obviously very unique situation to see a squirrel ski right. I mean I remember the first time I saw her I thought and my children were young and I thought you know I can I'm still trying to potty train my children and this these people <laughs> have got a squirrel on skis surely I can potty train my children if they can teach a squirrel to do that surely my children can learn too. But so it, it's such a it it was a little bit of history of Twiggy is the um the family that started this this Twiggy the water skiing squirrel. We're in South Florida, and it was after one of the hurricanes years ago, and they raised a family of squirrels that had fallen out of a, a nest, and the five, they had like a little toy boat and a pool, and so he taught one of them to ski, and not long after that, sadly, the the husband drowned, saving someone, saving, a, I think it was his father-in-law, but anyway, so the wife took Twiggy on the road to really try to teach people about water safety, and that kind of became the legacy, and she wanted to do something, you know, good in memory of her husband who had taught the squirrels to ski. So it's it's a great story, and, and it's a great program to teach children about water safety, and of course, like I said, obviously, to see a ski, a squirrel ski is, is unique in itself. So she'll be down there all weekend, you know, skiing around in the pool and, and, and your kids would love that. And there's so much, there, there's so much to take kids and see and do. We also have a, um, a, a kids program that is, that is, um, organized by one of our local captains and lots of, we're grateful to our sponsors that give away the stuff in the program, but you can, you, your children can go through and there's like a series of little activities they do, like throw, they learn to cast the cast net and, and, and throw a reel and rod and, there's some water safety things involved in that too. But each child that goes through the program gets to take home a rod and reel and a little tackle box with some tackles. So that's a lot of fun. The kids really love that. And they can also fish in our trout pond, but, but you know, if we have a live trout pond there where they can fish and the Marine resources come um, out of Dolphin Island and they bring all these little animals and all of their touch tanks. I know we've had in the past like little crabs and shrimp and Oh my gosh. So one year they had seahorses and just all the little animals you're going to see around in our waters and they're, you can touch them and feel them and learn from them about all the species that are here in our waters. So kids love that to be able to touch and hold all the little, um, all the little sea creatures and your children will be entertained all day long. 
Yep, no doubt. You guys always have great events. Like you mentioned, the Marine Resources booth or their room is really always really cool. And I know the CCA Alabama always does, you know, tagging seminars and things like that. They have a lot of good stuff going on there as well. They do. They do their redfish tagging where you learn to tag the redfish and he brings a tank and you can learn to tag and then also how to remove the tags. So it's a, those are very informative things to do. You've got you've got me pretty sold between a trout pond and Twiggy to squirrel. That sounds like a good time. Uh, <laughs> that's an yeah, all-star lineup. Yeah. I'll say the only thing that's missing, we're, we're sitting here recording this after lunch, and uh, I'm, I skipped my lunch. I'm a little bit late today, so I, I started thinking sometimes you get some uh, – I, I got I was talking with, with Joe before we started about Indian fry bread, and I know that sometimes when you go to these events, there's food. Is it going to be a place where you can walk around and, and get a hot dog after you watch Twiggy the squirrel, or are you going to have to go to Mobile for a little food? Or check out a Causeway restaurant. No, no, plenty of food there. Plenty of food there. The um the convention center does the the food for all the events, and they'll have like a little um. We usually have a, a grill outside, but they'll have barbecue and hamburgers, and of course in the in the show itself, we can get the hot dogs and the popcorn, pretzels, and we have fudge itself. Fudge. I tell you, when you walk in that room upstairs on that upper concourse and you start to smell that fudge, it is hard to resist. Oh, no doubt, it's a good smell. Melissa, you know, one of the fun things about recording this podcast and the series of podcasts is that we get to talk to a lot of our listeners and we find out that, you know, there's a lot of people coming to our part of the world, the Northern Gulf Coast and, and all over Alabama from all over to go fishing. And it's it's been really neat to hear people tell us, hey, I'm listening in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm, I'm listening in St. Louis, you know, and I love to hear what's going on down there. But, you know, for folks that maybe aren't as familiar with mobile and the surrounding area um what are some good places to stay good restaurants nearby nearby things they can do you know um for a long time there you know there was there was uh chili cook-off was the same same weekend i mean is there anything else going on that weekend you know i don't know if i don't believe it's the chili cook-off weekend but there's you know if you if you're from mobile and hadn't been downtown in a while or coming from somewhere else i think most people will be surprised at what the Mobile downtown has to offer now. There are more than 50 restaurants, you know, in and around the convention center now with, you know, food of all, all types of food and all types of price points. And gosh, probably seven hotels now downtown that are within walking distance of the convention center. They're certainly within walking distance. You know, they have the Gulf Quest Museum and some of the museums around Fort Condi and the Charlotte House and the Fort Condi thing and the Gulf Quest, the across the street, the children's museum across the street, but there's just so the much to do yeah. around. Yeah. In and around downtown now that it's crazy. It's really turned into a, a nice Mecca of things to do for gosh, anybody of any age. Yeah. It's definitely a family event. If you want it to be, if you want it to be a hardcore, let's go get a boat event. You can do that too. You can. Yeah. It, it really kind of plays up or down with whatever your desires are. You've already mentioned it's going to be at the Mobile Convention Center. When is the event going to be? How much is it going to cost to attend? And uh, where can people get some tickets? Yeah, so the, the boat show this year at the Convention Center is February 23rd through the 25th. We open at 10 a.m. on Friday, and it goes till 7 o'clock Friday night. And then we back again Saturday, 10 to 7, and then Sunday, 10 to 5. Um, you can buy a ticket at the door. You know, a lot of people are changing to just just their online platforms. But, you know, we, we will be able to purchase a ticket at the door. There is a discount if you do purchase it online through our website. It's a $12 ticket. But if you buy it at the door, it's 15 So I encourage people to go online and, and you know, get your ticket in advance to, to take advantage of the savings. But um, if you don't and you want to come down to the convention center, you can certainly buy one there, too. Um, if you're in the vicinity of the convention center, you might notice there's some construction going on in the front. and they are making room and starting the groundwork for the statues they're going to add, the 
for the baseball, the famous baseball players from Mobile in the front. So the front is a mess and they've got some barricades and stuff up, but um, it, it does not affect the show whatsoever. You can still park underneath of the convention center. And then, of course, there's the lots across the street. So there's lots of parking in and around. Um, you know, don't don't be discouraged by what you might see in the very front. It's kind of messy, but the show is full inside and there should be plenty of parking and easy to get to. Well, Melissa, it's a great event. It's got a lot of history behind it. Thanks for coming on today, sharing us a little bit, sharing with us a little bit about that and telling us about what's going to be going on this year. I, I know there's a lot of people excited for it, included yourself. And uh, thanks for joining us today, telling us about it. I enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes, ma'am. See you there. It's really cool to hear the history of the Mobile Boat Show. I mean, I guess, you know, when it first started, they were like showcasing the newest steam engines and oars and uh, I, don't I don't even know. Cannons, I'd like to see. Sure. Maybe. Definitely come a long way in 70 years as far as technology and boats and whatnot. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, it's going to be another great show. Y'all go check it out at gulfcoastshows.com. Get those tickets and uh, you save you on your parking. Alrighty, guys. Hope y'all enjoyed hearing from Joe and Butch and Melissa. Uh, definitely, if y'all do any saltwater stuff here on the Gulf Coast, go ahead and check out Joe and Butch's uh, podcast. They've been doing this for a lot longer than I have. They're much better show hosts. So um, my guests are better than their guests, of course. Got to show some love to all of our uh, captains and pros here, but uh, they're pretty good at what they do over there. They run a really good show, so y'all be sure to check that out. Uh, next up, we're going to talk with Paul Kabalan with Engel Coolers. We're going to do a section uh, learning about portable freezers and refrigerators. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode has been brought to you by Dixie Supply. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks offer numerous items to help get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles in your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building design. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or to get a free estimate today. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Also brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the recent highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. All right, guys, we're back, and this time we got Paul Caballan with Engel Coolers. Paul, how you doing today? Hey, very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. No, glad we could make this happen. So Engel is a, is a Florida company, right? Actually, Engel is an international company. Uh, started in 1962 with a brand name and portable 12-volt refrigerators and freezers before I was born. But uh, essentially, you know, we started it up here in the United States around the year 2000. Gotcha. With a, a range of products that we started bringing in and then evolving and developing from there. Yeah, I know. I know y'all's uh, y'all's coolers are really popular. Your little small travel size hard shell coolers. Um, they were kind of the first roto molded cooler. Um, I think that's why I thought y'all were from Florida, is because maybe that's the first place they got really popular here local to me. Is is a lot of the saltwater guys on the small like micro skiffs and kayaks and stuff like that started using them. And uh, 
I, I use mine religiously. Know a lot of crappie anglers here. We talk with a lot of crappie and bass anglers and, and inshore guys who love, uh, you know, how well they seal. Y'all got a good O-ring, keeps water from splashing if you're transporting bait in your car. Uh, the bait net is handy, and, and that new aerator that y'all have out, that lithium aerator, I, I think y'all really make some of the best bait coolers on the market, So, and, and they're also cool. pretty well, handy thank you, to keep drinks in. Yeah, when I started this, I'm, my accent is not as good as yours. I'm from South Africa 27 years ago. Settled really? in Florida, so, uh, you know, started up the brand here in the United States. And, yeah, the little aerator bait bucket, minnow bucket, has been extremely popular. Uh, in fact, for those that are out of the industry, uh, we were at ICAST, which is the big trade show as we are every year in Orlando. In July last year, we won top fishing product accessory, uh, which is a pretty prestigious for that little rechargeable air pump. It absolutely. It's the only complaint that I have with it after using it for for almost a year is uh, it's so quiet. Sometimes I got to double check make sure it's still on. It's much <laughs> quieter than my old fray bill that I had and and the battery lasts a long time and that uh with that USB-C charger you can just plug it up with you know everybody at this point everything runs off of USB-C so it's super easy to charge it in your car or at the house. We did listen to customers and people were complaining the old one was noisy and it was particularly if you're maybe in a little ice shack on the on a lake this time of the year, January, February, March, it's cold, and you hear that buzzing noise all the time. The new aerator, you can't hear it run. You literally have to touch it with your hand to feel if it's running. You cannot hear it. Yes, it, it's you're right. The old one was loud, and when it was sitting right next to you in a kayak or a canoe, it, it would get on your nerves after a couple hours, and then this new one, you you do you have to touch it and make sure it's still on. But I've I've never had it skip a beat, and it it will keep minnows. You can load that cooler full of crappie minnows, and you can keep them all weekend. So y'all knock that one out of the park. Tell me a little bit about the type fishing that you do. Are you mainly a, a freshwater guy, or do you do saltwater? I know no Florida's got a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah, we're right on the water here, Jupiter, Florida, um, kind of like I guess sailfish central. I'm not big into the sailfish, I'll be honest, but. Um, Snook fishing is kind of fun, especially at night or on the docks and things, a little bit of a challenge. But honestly, if you can get me on a boat and I can get offshore three, four miles and, and do the run and gun and find some dolphin, find a weed line and, you know, to have a 30, 40 mahi-mahi swimming around the boat, that to me is just mayhem and, and awesome. <laughs> uh, at, a, at a slightly higher level, done a little bit of yellowfin tuna fishing, you've got to run out about 100 miles. A little bit of hit and miss, but if you do get into them, oh, my God, it's it's – it's life-changing. You know, it, it really is cool. But around September time, the best fishing that I like is the mullet. We're blessed to have a little mullet run that happens here up and down the coast. And it's a little rough sometimes. And that's when the mullet start going, you know, along the beaches. But that first calm day, first offshore wind, get the boat in the water and run the beaches. And it's kind of like a National Geographic movie happening in front of you with just everything smashing the bait. And the first prize is to get a big tarpon and uh, hook them and, and try and land them. You know, that's that's the idea. But in between, there'll be sharks and jacks and snook. And I mean, it's just, it's kind of mayhem. At the end of the day, and I say the day, at the end of two or three hours, um, your mind is just blown. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. That that sounds like a lot of the stuff. Uh, Butch Theory, he's uh, he's he's my boss and he hosts the Alabama Saltwater Fishing Report, him and, and Joe uh, who does the Northwest Florida Fishing Report, that's their type thing. Like you start talking about tuna fishing or, or or getting on some of those saltwater species, and that's what really gets them fired up. I've done a little bit of it. You talk about tarpon. I got a guy who is supposed to be 
taking me this year he says he knows where baby tarpon get up in a river near where we're at and uh he has he has sworn that he will shoot me if i disclose the location but he has also said he will take me and let me uh try to flick a fly at him for a little bit so i'm looking forward to that so tell us a little bit i've i've been looking into it and give the audience some background information me and my wife we do a lot of camping have for years we go up and down throughout alabama and camp at the core engineer campsites on all the different lakes we got lay lake we got uh we got lake martin we got lake gunnersville all kind of lakes everywhere that have tva campsites core engineer campsites and we've kind of got our car camping glamping set up down pat we got a big 10 by 10 instant up canopy tent uh we got cots with memory foam mattresses like once me and my wife got married i figured out how to take somebody camping and, and not rough mm-hmm. it anymore and and she loves it we'll tow the boat and we'll go up there and fish some new waters for a little bit and Something that I've got a personal interest in is is a freezer because I'm kind of getting tired of ice, um, just trying to keep ice and, and keep food in ice. And now we got a daughter, so keeping things cool, keeping food safe is more important. I see that that's something that Engel does, and, and that's not something I've really seen, you know, in stores next to your bake coolers or anything. So tell tell me more about your portable freezers. Well, that's what started it all off. It was a, a Japanese manufacturer bought a patent from a German inventor, and it was for a DC-powered refrigerator motor, essentially. Um, and that was in 1962 it started with production. We were the first ever out there worldwide to uh, get involved in small, portable, or sort of built-in refrigerators and freezers that, you know, essentially for RVs and boats, and there's a whole world and whole industry of that out there right now. But the ability not to worry about ice, you just plug it in, they just sip energy. You're looking at about two and a half amps of power when the compressor's on, and they're only on for as a refrigerator, maybe 20, 30 percent of the time. You know, they're cycling on and off, on and off, maintaining temperature. But what will blow your mind is when you turn them all the way down and you make a deep freeze out of it. And I mean a deep freeze, as cold as your deep freeze at home. You know, zero degrees, uh, no problem. Uh, so to keep ice cream rock solid frozen. Now, for most people, you're going away for weekends, three days, four days, five days. You know. Ice will do the job, and a good quality cooler like an Engel cooler, and there's some others out there. They'll it'll do pretty well. But remember, we sell worldwide. So if you go to parts where I'm from in South Africa to go into the bush in like Botswana and Namibia or those places, there's there's just no ice. You you can't even buy ice. So you have to make your own cold. You've got to keep stuff frozen. You've got to keep stuff refrigerated, and it's an essential tool uh, for that kind of world. And you're also going away for 10, 12, 14 days at a time. The gas station when you've got to fill up with gas, does not have ice. It just You're not serviced for that. Uh, Australia is very similar. Uh, you just can't buy ice like you can here in the U.S. So it's more of a specialty item here in the U.S., but certainly it's a it's a standard item for many other countries in the world, third world type countries. I, I can imagine. I, I actually was just thinking about it the last time I was up at deer camp. Uh, we could have used one. We ended up shooting some deer and had to drive all the way into town, and it was close to an hour before you got mm-hmm. ice and and you know sometimes you'll be at deer camp a lot of guys will take you know what they call rutcation i don't know if you're familiar with the term but they'll they'll take off a week two weeks off of work you know take their take their vacation days and they'll just go stay at deer camp uh, i've yeah. done that before stay up there a week two weeks and yeah it gets really old draining the water out of a cooler putting fresh ice in it trying to keep you know deer meat from going bad i've had four deer before sitting in a in a cooler and honestly, in the last couple of years now, there's a whole world of, of solar panels out there and these little lithium-type uh, 
battery backup auxiliary boxes that you can buy as well. You know, um, they will power the fridge just as well on their 12-volt system. So now you're talking, you know, stay out there for a long time and not have to worry about batteries being depleted. You could recharge them and things. It's pretty cool. And 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 they run just to to make sure from what I can from telling my research. You said they're a twelve volt DC system, so they'll run anywhere. If if you've got a deep cycle battery on on your boat and your car and your RV, like as long as you've got battery power, you can run these, right? Hundred percent. The standard most of them come with a cigarette lighter. Uh, what do we call a cigarette lighter? Accessory, you know, socket. Uh, sure. Plug it in. And absolutely, that's how it runs. You know, so any most of them are also 12, 24 volt, and 110. A lot of the European trucks and things are running on 24 volt systems now, so we run on those perfectly. Uh, most of our fridges are midsize, and larger fridges will automatically switch to 110. So if you were in an RV, or let's say you were in your car camping and you pulled up to a campsite, there's often a little post there with a little water spigot and a little power 15 amp power switch you run an extension cable to that. So while you're driving, you're running off your alternator slash battery. Uh, stop for lunch somewhere, no problem. You're running off the battery. If you're going to spend two, three, four, five days, there is a chance you're going to run your battery flat. Um, so either to recharge it with solar systems or if you're using your vehicle or your boat every day, not a problem. Uh, alternatively, plug it into one of those little posts that's got normal AC power, AC meaning household power. Plug it in there and it'll just sip away, you know, leave it in your tent uh, and you've got a, a deep freeze, you know, right there, the convenience of a deep freeze or refrigerator. So if you have, you know, breast milk or medical requirements for certain uh, medications, you no problem, you know, keep, keep it cool. It sounds awesome. And I'm, I'm seriously considering picking one up here in the next year or so, because we, uh, it's a thing. Once you start camping with your family, it's, it's just a thing keeping food safety is much more on my mind than it used to be. Uh, when I was a younger man, I would go to camp with, you know, a case of beer and some Vienna sausages and then you were just good or you'd have steaks and, and they'd be on a little bit of ice and you may push it a little bit with the temperature and stuff. But once you get a baby involved, all that just becomes something where you can't Absolutely. take chances. Or if so, you've got meds that require refrigeration, uh, otherwise they're going to spoil, you know, that's critical. There's a good story I'll tell you. There was a guy that we used to have, one of our customers, his name was Dan Mick. He was out of Moab, Utah, and he would run one of these cheap safari companies. And he bought, early days, he bought one of our fridges. And he just, every time I saw him at the shows and things, he would just, just smile and give me a hug and just loved it because he'd get out there in the middle of the Moab and do these incredible rock climbing on these jeeps and vehicles and things that would be hot hot, hot, and some stage two, three o'clock in the afternoon, you'd kind of joke with everybody, right? who wants ice cream? You know, and everybody's like, oh, my God, I'd die for ice cream. <laughs> and uh, he'd literally reach back into the back of his Jeep, and he had one of our smallest little fridges. It was the 14-quart little freezer. Yeah. And he'd reach back in there and pull out individually wrapped little ice cream bars. I don't know what brand they were, but I mean, people just blew their minds. They just couldn't believe it. You know, you could be out here in this, you know, really tough environment and uh, have frozen ice cream, you know, on tap. Well, and, and I, I can tell you, my wife and when my daughter, when she gets a little bit older, I'm sure she'll be just like her mama. Uh, the ice cream bar goes a long way if you've had a hard oh, day yeah. fishing or a bunch of mosquitoes out on the lake you know that, bribery and corruption from your side you've got to have the ammo <laughs> 
That's the truth. Without the ammo, you're camping by yourself real quick again soon. You know, I, I have definitely learned that. But I'll tell you a quick story. We'll move on. So my my honeymoon, me and my wife went out, and I, I thought I was like, man, I guess I guess something happened, and she hates my guts because I, I found out she gets real hangry. Me, I can go backpacking and eat trail mix all day, and mm-hmm. we had trail mix for breakfast. And she was okay with that. And then we had lunch and she's like, well, what did we bring? And I said, oh, we got more trail mix. And and she was <laughs> like, hmm. And and we kept walking for a little bit. And she's like, so waiting trail mix for dinner? And I said, well, I brought enough. We can. You know, we can stay out here all day. That didn't fly. That was, that yeah, was no. the last time after that we had to start bringing some cooking gear. So, <laughs> So, so you you obviously y'all make different sizes. I've seen on your website y'all have big ones. You mentioned you had a little fourteen quart one. What what kind of questions do people need to start asking themselves if they're looking for one? Are we talking refrigerators? I'm so sorry. Yeah, for for the okay. refrigerators or the freezers. If you don't mind, I'm going to just while people are listening, they can log on Engel E N G E L Coolers dot com. That was mm-hmm. that's where we got engelcoolers.com we start at a little 14 quart the most popular sizes are around a 38 to 40 quart uh units and and then when they get real big they get up to 80 quarts and and i say real big 40 quarts is, is big because remember there's you don't need ice and if you pack properly you take it out of the styrofoam box that let's say you're buying frozen meat you put it in ziploc bags and you drop it in there or if you're doing the reverse you you know got deer meat you, you're putting in deer meat you can pack it pretty solid in there um the, the cold plate runs all the way around and you get pretty cold, you know, cooling from all directions, all sides. Uh, but no ice is needed. So you put a lot of meat in there, um, a lot of food, and just pack it smartly. For sure. Is there anything people should look for like when they're kind of comparing quality? Yes, absolutely. Um, a lot of them are, are cheap. Can I say Chinese made in China? That's all of, almost all of our competitors. They have an extremely high startup amperage. And it, I don't want to get too technical, but it means that if you've got a, a vehicle and you're wanting to plug it into that back socket in the vehicle, you know, mm-hmm. right at the back, that's maybe 20 feet of wire and the wire is not real thick and that fridge will not start. It'll just thump to try and start and just trip and trip and trip. The angle has a startup amperage that is probably three times less with the unique design of our compressor, three times less startup load on the wiring. So it, does not drop in voltage and it starts a lot easier. Uh, and I haven't yet found a vehicle that won't start in. Um, you know, the problem is thin wires, voltage drop, and then the, the fridge won't, won't kick on. So that's one thing. The other thing is a durable compressor. Ours is made for Africa. It's made for Australia. It's made for washboard roads. It's made for being beaten up, you know, in a rough kind of environment. Uh, most of the other ones out there are not. And to me, honestly, the most important thing is to be able to pick up the phone. And, and I had a guy literally an hour ago picked up and he said, Paul, I got a, just a concern. I, you know, it's so nice to get to speak to somebody who knows the product. Uh, all of these ones that are out there, I challenge you before you buy them, try and phone the company and try and get somebody on the line that actually knows what they're talking about. Um, you, Good luck. It's not going to happen. You know, our company is... Big enough that we have the most amazing products, but small enough that you can still phone our 800 number and get to speak to a real life person and ask your question or get advice or have accessories available. Uh, we've been doing this for years and years and years, so we still have accessories. We've got spare parts. Honestly, if you had a compressor go bad, you can actually change it yourself. You don't need to send it off or just throw it away. It's all fixable, all replaceable. And that's unique, absolutely unique out there in the market. Nobody else does that. 
Definitely. The more I look into them, the more I like them. And I'm going to have to start talking with some of the guides here that are on our show each week, giving us the fishing reports and, and tell them that they got to up their game. And next time people go fishing with them, they're going to expect cold ice cream bars when on the fishing trip. <laughs> I think, I think that could, that could be a good sales feature. So, uh, Paul, I definitely appreciate you being on the show and, and talking with us. If, if people want to learn more, tell us one more time. Where's a good place to, to get in touch with y'all and talk about uh, the products that you offer? You can do a Google search for Engel Coolers, but it's EngelCoolers.com. And Engel is spelled E-N-G-E-L. And then Coolers with an S at the end, .com. And you will see the entire range of bubblers and minnow buckets and little dry box coolers, 13 quarts up to 30 quarts. Brand new cooler. We've just launched a 60 quart injection molded cooler, lighter weight. Um, that's front and center on our website at the moment. Um, and then obviously all the refrigerator freezers and tumblers and various other accessories that we offer with all of that. Awesome. Guys, y'all definitely go check them out. Engel makes some awesome products. I, I speak truthfully when I say that uh, that bait cooler is one of my all time favorite fishing products. So, Paul, once again, I appreciate having you on the show. Thank you, sir. And we're going to take a quick break. Y'all take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keep this show free for you. This week's episode has been brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They love trade-ins for boats and motors. They can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907 zip code, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Also brought to you by Mobile Boat Show. The Mobile Boat Show opens February 23rd with hundreds of new boat models and brands all in one place for easy comparison shopping at the Mobile Convention Center. It's the largest indoor show on the Gulf Coast, offering the best prices and selection of 2024 boats, accessories, tackle, and more. Come see Twiggy the Skiing Squirrel, hear tips from the pros, catch fish in the trout pond, and explore in the touch tanks. The Mobile Boat Show is the place to find all you need to get out on the water. Come check it out February 23rd through the 25th at the Mobile Convention Center. Alrighty, guys, that is going to wrap up this week's show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, you can text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rigs or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. Also brought to you by LM Marine. LM Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoons to bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. You can visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or give them a call at 251-937-1380. Also by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call one 888 
830-POND or info at scpond.com. And brought to you by KillerDock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to see more.